Welcome to the Breath Magazine podcast. Learn more about Breath Magazine and sign up for our newsletter to receive the latest news and updates at our website, breathmagazine.com. And now for today's episode. All right, you guys ready? Why don't you turn over to John 1, 1. And what we're going to do is we're going to flesh out some scripture and try to deepen your understanding about your faith and about how you got saved, and about who saved you. So while you're turning there, let me say this. You know, um, our Sunday services, uh, preachers usually construct their messages to last about 30 minutes or so. Um, My pastor structures his to last exactly 32 minutes because the whole, um, whole Sunday service is structured by the minutes. And uh, he said, my sermons are supposed to end at exactly 32 minutes. In doing something for the internet, we can go as short or as long as necessary. And sometimes it's good to go shorter just to kind of drive home a point and then leave you with that point, leave you to ponder the point um, instead of just filling up time the way, um, the way sometimes preachers do on Sunday mornings. So anyway, um, let's look. Let's take a look again at John one one. Um, let me turn there myself. The word says, "In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God." Now we've heard this so many times that sometimes I think we just kind of glaze over it without really considering what what revelation John the Apostle is getting over to us, the groundbreaking revelation of what he is getting over to us in his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right? Well, we know that that is Jesus. Those of us who've been born again, been saved, I mean, we hear that all the time, and we hear all the time Well, Jesus died for you. Jesus did this. Jesus did that. The thing is, in our culture today, we treat the revelation of the gospel as something that's kind of trite or casual or pedestrian because we've got it, what, on the radio, we've got it on the internet, we've got it on podcasts, which this is one of them. But we hear things all the time and we just kind of go about our business and say, well, that's kind of nice. What I want to do is drive home what John is getting over to us in this first chapter. And in order to do so, I'm going to read to you from the book of Revelation. Now, you don't need to turn there because I want you just to hear the words instead of trying to follow along and multitask. Just take in the words and take in the reading. You know, Revelation 1.3 says this, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Now, what the environment that John the Revelator is speaking to there is communal reading. It was back in that day where people would read scripture in the presence of the community, in the church in the presence of the body, the local body. And it would be read aloud, 
And John is saying those who would read it aloud would be blessed, but then those who would hear it uh, would be blessed and who keep what is written in it. So what I want to do here is I want to read it aloud where you can hear it and hear what the scripture says. Now I'm reading from Revelation chapter 4 and I'm reading actually the entire chapter but take in what John the Revelator writes here. You're going to get a revelation of the Father. After this I looked and there in heaven a door stood open and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit. And there in heaven stood a throne, with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like jasper and carnelian. And around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. And around the throne are twenty-four thrones, and seated on those thrones are 24 elders dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. And coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third with a face like a man, and the fourth like a flying eagle. And these four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. And listen, day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now let's step back from that a minute and kind of try to take this in. John the Revelator is caught up in the Spirit into heaven, and what he sees is the throne of the Father. And you see that this throne is, isn't like anything that anybody has seen before, and it just staggers the imagination of who this personality is. The one seated there looks like Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. And then you have these living creatures that are hovering around the throne, crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What an awesome sight. I mean, take in this vision of who God is, what his appearance is like. 
You know, in the world today, there are lots of people that talk about God, but they talk about him like he's some kind of misty cloud or something like that. Here we have a revelation of what his personality and what his being is like. A scriptural description of what he looks like, what his appearance is like, what the throne is like, of how magnificent he is, of how holy he is. Now, let me read to you from the book of Ezekiel, because Ezekiel had a vision of the Father too. Listen to what he writes in his book in chapter 1. And above the dome over their heads, meaning the living creatures, was something like a throne, in appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was something that seemed like a man. Upward from what appeared like the loins, I saw something like gleaming amber. Think of that. Gleaming amber. He's like he's on fire. Something that looked like fire enclosed all around. And downward from what looked like the loins, I saw something that looked like fire. And there was splendor all around. Like a bow in a cloud on a rainy day. There's that rainbow. Such was the appearance of all the splendor around. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. Again, you see just how wonderful and how unponderable the presence of the Father is. Now we come back to John. John 1.1 In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Now the word with in the English just does not do that justice. In the Greek it's pros. And in a prior podcast I talked about how that the word pros in the Greek means that there is a mutual and reciprocal relationship between the Word and God. It's not just proximity, but some kind of relationship. It is face-to-face relationship. And I gave the analogy of two boxers standing toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose at the weigh-in. You know, when you see those boxers boxers come face-to-face, You look at the one on the left and the one on the right and you size them up. Which one's taller? Which one's more muscular? Which one has the greater reach? Which one looks like he's going to win? What John is saying here is, and the Word was with God, is he's saying the Word, and you look at the Father, you look at the Word, and you look at the Father, and you look at the Word, and they're two personalities, but they're the same. There's not one over the other. So you get an idea from the book of Revelation and the, and the book of Ezekiel just what this word was like. What he was like. He was like the Father. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And then what John does is he hammers it shut and says, And the Word was God. Now, this is where the scandal comes in, 
And this is where we have really watered down the content of our faith here in the 21st century. Because you go down to John 1.14, and what's John write? This word, this pre-incarnate word, this one of creation that was with God, that was toe-to-toe with God, the Father, said this word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. The scandal of our faith in Christianity is this God became a man. We have treated Jesus very lightly when we just kind of throw it around and say, well, Jesus died for me. Or we're talking to some unbelieving friend of ours and say, well, Jesus died for you. It's kind of like, well, yeah, he's a carpenter's son, but we don't, we don't relay the import. In fact, a lot of times we don't even think about the import of who he is and who he was. When I say scandal, the scandal is that God became a man to save his creation. God became a man in order to save you. You know, I don't, I don't consider myself to be religious at all. The thing is, I read John 1.14 and, the, and I can't be casual about it. I can't be casual about, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's one of those statements of scripture that you either toss over as just being ridiculous, or you take it as a full stop and say, oh my gosh, that is, a, that, that is a revelation of the age. That changes everything. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians. He writes this in chapter 2. He says, who, and he's speaking of Jesus. He's speaking of the word having become flesh. Listen to these words. Though he was in the form of God, he didn't regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. Now listen to this next line. He humiliated himself. Let me say that again. He humiliated himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Think about that. Think about that line right there. He humiliated humiliated himself. Why? How? By being crucified by his own creation. By being crucified by his own creation that had rebelled against him and had fallen in to the pollution of sin. And he became obedient to the point of death. Paul doesn't stop there. He says, even death 
on a cross. Oh, and that's so important. Even death on a cross. Because what he's referring to there is becoming a curse of God himself. The word became flesh and the word became a curse. Why? In order to save you. So the next time you think about, well, Jesus died for me, you think about who this Jesus is. What he did in order to save you, it wasn't just, okay, kill me, put me on a cross. No, it goes all the way back, and the word was made flesh. Let me give you two more scriptures to ponder on this revelation. Acts 20, 28, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, listen, which he has purchased with his own blood. Get that again. To feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. You know, when I read Revelation 4, the one sitting on the throne, the father sitting on the throne, he had no blood. He was not a man. He is not a man. But the word became a man, and the word had blood. Became a man who had blood. And it says, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. God's own blood. And then in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews writes this, talking about Jesus, speaking of him on his resurrection. Remember, remember the story, Jesus is resurrected and he runs into Mary and he tells Mary, don't touch, don't touch me, I am ascending to the Father. And then the writer of Hebrews says, he entered once for all into the holy place. That's where he was going. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. That blood was the blood of God. The blood of God brought into the holy place to obtain eternal redemption for you. We can never, ever take a look at John 1.14 and ever be casual about it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So again, the next time you think about Jesus, you don't think of, well, he was a carpenter's son and he walked around in Israel and yes, he was crucified. No, you think about where he came from, who actually he was before he became Jesus, the Jesus we know. He was the Word. And you understand who the Word was by Revelation 4. Just how magnificent He was. Just how glorious He was before He was made flesh. And when you do, you'll deepen your faith. And you'll find out that you can't be casual about John 1.14. It's one of the revelation of the ages.
and the Word was made flesh. Let me conclude with a benediction. May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.